House of Mystery presents Inside Writing, the radio show where authors discuss their writing process in all genres. All right, we are back in the House of Mystery, and uh, joining us on the line is one of the authors of Epstein and Dead Men Tell No Tales, Spies, Lies, and Blackmail. Uh, so joining us is Melissa Cronin. Thank you for taking the time to talk. Hi there. Thanks so much for your interest. Wow. So now let's uh, let's put because uh, you haven't been on the show before. So put uh, mm-hmm. you into kind of context. So um, where where is it where is it that you come from, and how did you get caught up in Epstein? Yes. Nothing I ever anticipated, for sure. <laughs> so I'm not sure if your readers are familiar with Don Howard, who has been the head of National Choir for a really long time and big figure in the true crime world. So I'm kind of like the female villain, but a lot more exclusive. So this is a real coup, getting me on. <laughs> um, basically, Dylan and I have worked together hand-in-hand since, gosh, about 2007 when we were kind of junior reporters together at Star Magazine and then we really kicked things to another level around 2014-2015 when I was kind of leading RadarOnline.com and he was the head of content at American Media. So it was at that time, um, you know, we were reporting on everything back then, any story that came out, um, any lead that we got. And this was the time when the first documents came out from the Virginia Jufre lawsuit in Florida. So we got these documents from the court that had the most explosive allegations against Prince Andrew, against other really high-profile figures. And both of us were just blown away by the extent of this story and the impact of this story. So we covered that case really deep and detailed in stories every day in 2015. We actually published the first interview with Virginia Roberts Jufre way back then in 2015. Um, and, you know, people did, it really didn't get picked up that much. People didn't really, um, you know, take it and run with it. There wasn't a mass push for justice against Jeffrey Epstein at the time. He was still living his life in Florida, Paris, Caribbean. So, you know, that was always kind of disappointing and you know as a reporter you never want to have those loose ends hanging out in the world you want to see this root of fruition and find the truth mm. so well but, our work on it ended then but we well, always wanted to pursue it further well when something like that happens okay so um, uh, you've been working reporting there's these stories you have and um, and it never really takes off yet you know he's kind of a bad guy um, what 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 can you do as a reporter, or what? And why do you think that is? Why is it that certain people can get away with something that Joe Blow down the road couldn't? Yeah, it's something that I've thought about a lot. Um, not just with Epstein, but other stories over the years that didn't really make a ripple. Um, I think part of it is it's really hard for people to confront these kind of stories and to accept the reality that these kind of people live among us doing the kinds of things that they do and to feel that sense of helplessness as a reader, not knowing what you can do to stop it. Um, A lot of readers have reached out to me in the wake of our book release asking what they can do. And 
I always say the, the best thing that you can do is to keep talking about it, whether that's on Twitter for someone who's, you know, just uh, amateur detective falling from the armchair or publishing a book like we did. Um, just continuing to talk about it and not let it fade into the background in whichever way you can is really the only way to make sure that you stay on the path of justice. Do you think the political climate, the Me Too movement, and uh, the exposing of Harvey Weinstein helped to make this story uh, larger later on? Absolutely. That's a huge part of it. Um, you know, the cultural shift to believing victims and taking what they have to say as truth and as weighty evidence. Um, back in 2005-2006, when Epstein was first investigated, the police back then had 34 minor girls who had testified um, in police interviews about his crimes. And back then, that wasn't enough to get him jail time. 34 girls talking about being sexually abused. So now, in 2019, almost 2020, the way the culture has shifted, even one woman's allegations have so much more weight than they used to. Yeah, it's a lot harder for these guys to buy their way out of trouble now. Right, right. And thank goodness for that. So, now... Um, so that sort of happened, and how did it come back to you, this, this Epstein story? Mm -hmm. So I actually retired from the tabloid industry in 2017 and moved out to Palm Springs, started a couple businesses out here. I was kind of not living the reporter life anymore. So when he was arrested, Dylan reached out to me via email, and we just started talking about it, like, can you believe this? And you know, our theories about it, and I will remember that person that said this about him. And um, we just decided to fire up the team again and work on the podcast together. So this has been, um, you know, kind of, while I've been doing this project, I've been doing my other normal job too, but <laughs> once a reporter, always a reporter. So it was, it's been awesome and really vindicating to pick up the story again and have people actually care about it. Now, when you guys were doing this, uh, was there something that absolutely surprised you in your research that you didn't expect? Um, let's see. I think, honestly, the most shocking thing for me um, was one of the smallest details, and that was watching the police victim interviews, which I saw for the first time as part of the research this um, podcast and book and seeing they were labeled with the birth dates of the victims um, so seeing the birth dates of these women and really seeing how young they were and then watching them describe the horrible things that happened to them to a strange man in a room somewhere and hearing the pain in their voices was like a whole new level of understanding about the case and then on the flip side equally disturbing was we made a huge list of all of the victims that we had identified over the years, dozens of women across the country. And in our investigations in terms of trying to find where they were today and if we could find them, we found such a pattern of drug abuse and trouble with the law and just like horrible things that have come out of the trauma that they experienced as young women. 
So the reach of Jeffrey Epstein across the decades and the way that he's destroyed so many lives was just absolutely chilling to really confront like that. Is there some particular method he used um, in order to have so many victims for so many years in so many locations and yet never really be uh, brought down before just what happened recently? Yes. So he was an expert manipulator and really made this system into a business. Um, one thing that helped him was at the start, he always had women doing the recruiting. So he wouldn't go out himself down to the mall and approach a team and say, hey, I'm Jeffrey, do you want $200? No, he had a local high school girl who'd already come into his orbit do the recruiting for him. So it was a lot more palatable for these victims to have, you know, a friend or someone they know from the lunchroom say, hey, you need some Christmas money? Like, I know this guy. And it was an easier, like, lower bar for entry. And then at the same time, in terms of not being exposed, heartbreakingly, he really focused on girls that were from disadvantaged environments. So a lot of the girls that ended up being abused by him were runaways or had been kicked out by their parents or had already had troubles with drugs or um, sexual abuse. Virginia Roberts Shufre, for example, she claims that she was kind of pimped out to another man in the Florida area years before she even came in contact with Jeffrey. So he really preyed upon the most vulnerable people because he knew that they didn't really have the resources or the confidence to stand up and go after him. Of course, that all changed. And she also alleged that um, um, she had been abused by Prince Andrew. Is that correct? Yes, yes. And that was one of the things that first started us reporting on this back in 2014, 2015. She has extensive allegations against Prince Andrew, and some of those were even recorded by hand in a personal diary that we obtained back in 2015. So she claims that she didn't just, you know, get in a room and have a sexual experience with him, but that she was kind of pimped out as an escort, that they went to this shishi nightclub, that they had, you know, a nice little evening before she was raped by him. Um, and now, it's, you know, it's more than five years after she first made those allegations, but it looks like there's finally some kind of justice for him as is kicked out of Buckingham Palace. He's essentially been fired by his mom. He doesn't get any money anymore. Um, there's still so much more to be seen in terms of if he will be brought into the investigation, if he will be made to stand up in court and talk about what happened. But she's been saying for years that this happened, and he insists that he doesn't even know her, but her story has never changed, and it's always been really, really captivating and really... Um, you know, it has it has the ring of truth. Now, of course, the big question: um, Did he kill himself, or was he murdered? Um, <laughs> of course, none of us can, you know, one hundred percent answer that question. We've all we've all seen the memes for sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah right. <laughs> uh, 
Now, for me, um, I'm very logical in my point of view, not that he wouldn't have enemies. By far, he would have a ton of enemies, and I am sure there are plenty of people that would kill him if given the chance. Uh, no question. And they probably had great reason. Um, but uh, what we do know is that uh, I guess the guards, they were let go, and weren't they even charged for not doing their job correctly? Yeah, yeah and, they've been charged, yeah. Yeah, and that, which is crazy. I mean, yeah. uh, you know, and uh, <laughs> so he ends up dead. Um, so what I'm saying is what, what is your general thoughts on <laughs> it? You know, I know you can't yeah. say oh, for sure he did this or did that, but yeah. what would you think happened? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely true that if you ask, you know, the three co-authors on the book, we all have slightly different takes on it. Um, but it's interesting that you mention names. Um, that's something that's been really fascinating to me because the first memes that kind of made their way around Twitter in the wake of his death were pushed forward by Russian bot accounts. So it's been identified that that's kind of where it all started. And ultimately, the effect of these memes is that it kind of makes anyone who wants to investigate the circumstances of his death seem like a crackpot, right? Like, <laughs> you're in the same league. If you think he could have potentially been murdered and we should investigate it, you're kind of in the same league with people who wear Epstein didn't kill himself Christmas sweaters and that kind of thing. Right. Um, so it's unfortunate that that's been going on. I think it tamps down a lot of the true investigations into what happened. Um, personally, I think that whether he was committed suicide or was murdered, um, it was directed by someone who wanted it to happen and not necessarily even him. So if he truly did commit suicide, it's because someone outside of you know his prison cell had orchestrated the different things that needed to fall in place for that to happen. Just made room, um, made room for it, essentially. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, maybe it's not out of the realm of possibility, and it certain ha certainly has happened before that Mossad agents have broken into a prison, killed a former asset, and left without a trace. Um, I describe one of those cases in the book. A man named Mr. X died under circumstances very similar to Epstein. Um, but, you know, it doesn't have to mean that someone dressed up like a ninja, like parachuted into the courtyard and killed him. It could just mean that, you know, somebody said, put these two guards on duty, make sure they're asleep, you know, turn the camera away. It only takes a few simple things to orchestrate a grand conspiracy. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I just wonder. And, and now, in, in all your research, how many people... Um, do you think he victimized? It's definitely hundreds, definitely. I mean, even back in the Palm Beach days, uh, Spencer Coven, who was an attorney for several of the victims in that area, said he thought at the time, in 2005, based on what he knew from his clients, that it was, you know, over 100. So adding in the fact that Palm Beach was just one of, like, six hubs that he had around the world. You know, he had his New York mansion, his New Mexico ranch, his Caribbean island, his town home in Paris, his plane that could take him to any country in the world. Um, you know, if you multiply that,
that Florida calculation against all those other places where we know that abuse occurred, the number is just staggering. Wow. So how many high-profile, um, as in uh, political or uh, movie star or um, people with a, with a pretty flashy image uh, that would be known just by their, their looks, um, do you think were involved with Epstein? So when we were writing the book, we talked about including a list of every person, you know, a high-profile person that had ever been linked to Epstein in a concrete way, um, whether they had flown on his plane or been at a dinner party with him. Um, ultimately, we decided not to include that because, you know, we wanted to toe the line in terms of guilt by association. Maybe some of these people really did just end up at a party with him. But the confirmed instances of high-profile people spending significant time with Jeffrey Epstein is definitely in the dozens. And that runs the gamut from every area of American life um, and international life in other countries. So you have politicians, obviously, like Bill Clinton, like President Trump. Most recently, after his death, there was a release of documents in one of the Jufre cases that included an allegation against New Mexico former governor um, Bill Richardson. That was a total shock to me. I had never heard his name in the mix, but Virginia Roberts Jufre made that allegation in court documents. And, of course, all of these men that I'm mentioning strongly deny that anything happened. But um, in terms of the world of science, you have Bill Gates, who was a frequent guest at his New York home and um, worked with him on donations to several universities. Stephen Hawking visited Epstein's Caribbean island once, and Epstein even built a custom submarine so that Hawking could um, take a ride on it in his wheelchair. And there's a photo of him on the submarine with a young blonde girl kind of tending to him in the sub. Um, in the world of Hollywood, we have Oscar-winning actor Kevin Spacey flew on his jet, the Lolita Express. Comedian Chris Tucker flew on his jet, the Lolita Express. Chelsea Handler was at a dinner party at his New York home, and and she says she had no idea what she was getting into, but you can just see the scope of people involved in this runs across all all spectrum. Well, now with all these people, it could not all be about uh, a sexual uh, setup or liaison with someone that's young mm. or old or whatever it was. What other thing was he doing to attract all of these people? Right. That's a really important point because espionage um, is not necessarily always that black and white honey trap situation where you get someone to have sex with someone and record it and use that as blackmail evidence. So obviously he was doing that. But on a wider scale, he was doing something which you alluded to, which is gathering useful information and then selling it to the highest bidder. So he used things like his private jet, his private island, his beautiful, gorgeous, huge New Mexico ranch to lure these luminaries of the world to come and spend time with him and talk to him about what they were working on. So he had Nobel Prize winning physicists at his ranch in New Mexico. He has obviously the... 
We at Wondery, creators of Dr. Death, Scamfluencers, and Over My Dead Body, go deeper into complex true crime stories to give you an inside look at the facts. And now we're launching the ultimate true crime fan destination, Exhibit C. It's truly criminal. Wondery's Exhibit C gives you the detective's lens of all of the evidence, taking you step-by-step step through the twists and turns of each true crime case. Join the Exhibit C online community to access exclusive show merchandise, member-only content, and to hear directly from top criminal and social justice experts, witnesses, and investigators as they take us beyond the evidence and into the case file. Join now by following Wondery Exhibit C on Facebook or find us on the web at WonderyExhibitC.com and listen to true crime podcasts on Wondery and Amazon Music. Exhibit C. It's truly criminal. Politicians and other world leaders, and it wasn't even necessarily that he wanted to trap all them, like he said. And he, he would take what they talked about at their dinners and information about like their projects and different um, new theories that were being developed, things that could be applicable to surveillance and armament development and scientific development. This information was hugely useful to foreign nations like Israel and Saudi Arabia. So that's a really important piece to understand in terms of the world of Jeffrey Epstein. The, the you know, titillating, evil, scandalous, sexual stuff is the surface, but underneath it was all these relationships and and transfers of information that were really probably like the most useful thing he could deliver. Well, that, so, it, it. But we're looking at it from a big picture. What mm. was the the most important thing that he was doing? He was just buying and selling information, and moving things around, and taking whatever he could to make that information accessible to him by whether he's selling little girls or he's like in whatever way but it was all about the the information yes that was primarily the goal versus necessarily the blackmail leverage i think that was a piece of it but um from the very beginnings of his career he kind of traded in relationships and, and favors and doing deals and things like that so Getting this information for the Mossad or for the Saudi government was very useful to them. And, and we don't know exactly what he gave them that helped them. You know, for example, I don't know that he gave the Saudis some kind of nuclear formula that then they built a reactor. You can't have a chain that direct, um, so far. But I do know, for example, that Epstein was heavily involved in creating an app with Ehud Barak, um, former Israeli prime minister. And this app, it's called Smart 911, and it's been rolled out to government across the United States. It's in 40 states right now. The app is supposed to work as like connecting you to 911 dispatch. So, for example, if you call 911, it, your phone takes a live feed of your surroundings. So the dispatcher can see, you know, if there's, if you cut out where you are, if there's anything they need to know, et cetera. But the real point of that app is that 
your phone can do a live feed of your surroundings or recording of your audio at any time through this app, and then the information is accessible by the company behind it, which includes Ehud Barak, and the rest of the board members are all former Israeli intelligence or Mossad. So how did Epstein get involved in that? Why would they want him to be involved in that? It had to be, there had to be something that he was bringing to the table besides just money, and I think in that case it was probably his access to information about technology from people like Bill Gates. Wow. That's, that's interesting. So, um, so what was the bring down? How did he get caught? And finally is what I should say, because, you know, he'd been entertaining this way for years, 20, at least 20 years, uh, mm -hmm. with all, all of the famous people. And he must have been involved or at least watched by, um, agencies like, uh, CIA, FBI, uh, Intel, all the, all the different groups. Um, so what made it fall apart on him suddenly here? You know, I think it was what we were talking about before, just kind of that cultural shift that made it not tenable anymore. Um, obviously, Julie Kate Brown at the Miami Herald did a series of articles on Jeffrey Epstein and his first case in Florida before he was arrested. And you know, those articles were basically, in a lot of ways, a retread of things that we had already reported back in 2014, 2015. But for some reason, at this time in, in the culture, they were explosive and people were willing to listen and willing to promote it and things like that. So I think that's part of it. Um, the Southern District of New York has publicly said that her journalism uh, motivated them to look into the case and consider pursuing it. On the other hand, and this is just kind of my speculation, but I believe that Epstein was becoming less and less useful over time, um, you know, to the powers that be, whether it's the CIA or the Mossad. The reason being, things like the app that I just described, um, modern-day espionage and modern-day intelligence gathering does not happen in back rooms and, and orgies and things like that, you know, find doesn't really depend on spies anymore because we have the technology to basically spy on ourselves, to allow anyone in the world to come into our phone, which is kind of, you know, a perfect microcosm of everything about us. Um, so someone like Epstein was really kind of like old model. Um, and I don't know that any agency would continue to put out the kind of effort that they have over the years to protect him and to allow him to continue um, given that he is kind of a dying breed. Now, what do you think is going to happen now that he's he's dead? Um, so they're, they're not really going to pursue a lot of these charges, are they, or follow-up? So what's the fallout? Who, who's going to pay for it? I know that is the pressing question, and and it's really terrifying because I hope you know, I hope with everything that I have that we have some kind of satisfying conclusion. The Southern District of New York has said publicly that, you know, even though the case against Epstein himself is over with his death, they are still actively pursuing any co-conspirators. Um, you know, we haven't heard anything out of that case since August, so the hope in that is fading a little bit. 
We haven't really heard anything out of the supposed investigation into his death that has been launched by the Attorney General, Bill Barr. At this point, it doesn't really seem like the officials are doing anything that's going to really bring about justice. Um, so we can't really trust in those systems to do that necessarily, and maybe that's the lesson of Jeffrey Epstein. It's certainly the lesson for a lot of the victims that I spoke to that you know, you can't depend on the government and the legal system to truly meet out justice. For me, I just keep pushing forward and with Dylan and with James, continuing to investigate and to share what we know in the hopes that we'll knock something loose that really does affect some kind of change. When you when you were doing the research for the book or out investigating, how do people react to you? when they know this is what they're in, you're investigating? Uh, is there kind of a weird sort of feeling or some people don't want to talk to you? or um, What's the general idea there? Sure. It, it totally depends on the person. Um, there were some people that we spoke to that were kind of like, wow, like I'm so glad you finally found me. <laughs> you know, they, they had a story, an important story to tell, and they were so grateful to have an outlet to do that. On the other hand, especially when it comes to the victims, understandably, a lot of them didn't want to speak because they don't really even want to go back down that road again in terms of telling the story. A lot of them have processed it and moved on and describing it, opening that up again is not something they wanted to do. So the reactions from some of them were, um, you know, cool to too really upset and totally understandably. Um, the only people that were really aggressive or violent um, were people that were kind of connected with law enforcement. So, and that's been my experience from the beginning. The Palm Beach Police Department made it like very, they made it, almost impossible to try to find out what happened and to report on this. Um, they, gosh, I fought with them for years and years and years to give me the documents from the case, which are publicly available in Florida. And they told me so many sob stories about, oh, it was in a room that got flooded, those boxes. Oh, we lost that box. We gave them to the FBI, blah, blah, blah. Um, they just, you know, they weren't exactly reaching out a hand to help anyone that wanted to get to the bottom of the story. Why do you think that is? Like, why wouldn't, was it their own, they, they wanted to solve it, or did they have something to hide, do you think? Uh, why wasn't it that they wanted to get help and get this done, solved? Mm. I mean, I think they have something to hide um, based on what we've heard from sources. So, we spoke to a man named John Mark Dugan, who was the deputy sheriff of Palm Beach County at the time of Epstein's prison term in Florida. So he was the head of basically the crew tasked with overseeing Jeffrey Epstein's prison stint. And he worked really closely with the Palm Beach detective, Joseph Carey, who had spearheaded the entire investigation. Um, Dugan now lives in Russia, where he supposedly has political asylum, and he left the United States because he says the Palm Beach authorities are, you know, corrupt to the core. They 
actively colluded with higher forces to get a free Epstein and sweetheart deal, and they're trying to cover up their involvement in it. Um, he has been saying that online for years, um, and eventually he felt that it got too hot in Florida, so he fled to Russia, leaving behind his wife and children to do so. Hmm. Yeah, actually, I've interviewed him uh, in oh, Russia. Oh, cool. Yeah. Cool, yeah. yeah, he's definitely a character, right? <laughs> yeah, he is. <laughs> and he <laughs> says he's got uh, tapes with people on it, and I know... Yeah. One of the his his publisher was over in Russia for a week to uh, uh, see watch some of the tapes and things like that. So it's um, pretty interesting. Um, but the bottom line is, do you think anybody will get taken down? Someone big or not? Um, I do, I do, and you know what? I don't think it'll be the sex crimes that does it. I think that we're gonna see some icons humble, um, kind of in the same way that the mafia did. So I think we'll see financial um, cases or tax evasion and different kinds of things that will bring these people down because as the Southern District is investigating people who they believe to be co-conspirators, they might not find the slam dunk evidence that they raped a child. But in that investigation, I think they are definitely going to uncover further information that they could then use to bring some kind of justice to these people connected to the case. So, you know, I'm definitely waiting with bated breath to see who's going to be the first one. Um, in the meantime, it is some measure of satisfaction to see Prince Andrew basically kicked out of the royal family. Um, we certainly never expected that to happen, but it's going to be a long slog through this in any case. <laughs> Yeah, because if you remember Prince Andrew, I mean, years ago, he was running around with, uh, you know, uh, st strippers and all that stuff way back in the in the nineties. So right. He, he always he always did have a bad attitude. So whatever he did here is even worse than that. So. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, and they didn't seem to care back then, right? There were photos of him on yachts, topless women in Thailand, yeah. and everything like that, and the Queen just looked the other way. Yeah. So for her to Kick yeah. him out of the palace is kind of a big deal. Yeah. Well, you know, maybe he wasn't uh, doing his laundry. But, yeah. um, <laughs> so now I have to ask, too, um, at this point, um, when it gets into the po politics of it, mm -hmm. um, do you think it's really going to have an effect on politics? Like after his death, uh, Epstein, that is, um, you know, there's a lot of talk, oh, you know, Hillary was the last one in the room to see him, and, and, and you know, and uh, the other was uh, Trump got him killed, and, and, you know, you hear all this stuff, right? Uh, I, I, I don't know, um, is it going to affect politics? I, I'm just so kind of skeptical about everything related to politics these days that I don't think it will have any <laughs> oh, real impact. But, I mean, but why? The why things are, so... are happening <laughs> with us. Why are you so skeptical? I, I mean, everything <laughs> looks above board. <laughs> I mean, I just roll my eyes so hard every day. I have, like, eye strain. <laughs> wow, but, you know, the, the things that have been happening the last few years are just as bad, if not worse, 
uh, the things that have happened in that scene case. And mm-hmm. Trump himself said he could stand in the middle of Fifth Avenue and shoot someone down and his followers would love it. I mean, yeah. even if they had a tape showing him raping a teenager, I honestly don't think it would make a difference at this point. Like, however brutal it is to come to that realization, I don't think it would make a difference. And and kind of the same for the Clintons on the other side. You know, we've seen so many, Bill has weathered so many scandals throughout the years, and he's getting up there in age. So I feel like he's going to live out the rest of his years in relative peace. And I'm sure Hillary's plotting her next move, but this, you know, She's a pro at scandal. She'll get through it. <laughs> <laughs> One after another, boy, I'll I tell know. you. They're, they're, they're eating dead babies on pizzas and, yeah. and, and, and on and Oh, boy. It's, all, yeah. it's not going well. Um, <laughs> so what was the purpose of the book? Like, What is it that you want um, people to get out of the book? So when they read it, the end of the day, they're going to go away with what? I really want people to understand the kind of breadth and depth of this operation. So I really want people to understand that, yes, it, it's so horrible and mind-bending that he abused so many young girls and women. But there's so much more horrible criminality and conspiracy even beyond that and underneath that. And and that's the story that people really need to focus in on and understand because this is not the story of one man who was just happened to be the most evil person ever and now he's dead so we don't have to worry about that happening again. You know, this is the story of how international systems of power, how governments and intelligence agencies and the rich all work together in different ways at different times to accomplish different things. And that's what we need to talk about. That's what we need to understand. Um, That's how Epstein was able to do what he did for so long. So if we have any hope of preventing something like this from happening again, we need to understand what was really going on and, and keep an eye out for it. And um, now, do you guys have a website or a place people can come if they just want to find out more about uh, your writing and, 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 and book and stuff? I know the book will be on our website, and it's available in all bookstores and Amazon, of course. But do you have your own? Yes, thank you. So my Twitter is Melissa E. Cronin, M-E-L-I-S-S-A-E-C-R-O-N-I-N, and I take questions from people about Epstein all the time on there, um, sometimes on Reddit, too. We don't really have a website, but the book um, booksellers online are a great place to stay up to date about what's going on. Um, actually, as of today, Amazon has sold out of the book. Um, so if anyone goes there and can't find it, I would encourage them to try someone else because they'll probably have it. But Amazon's getting another shipment soon, so hopefully they'll be able to meet the demand. Well, it's a hot topic. It's something mm-hmm. that uh, great Christmas reading. Yes, <laughs> everyone in my family get one. So. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, well, that's fantastic. And, and now, uh, was was Dylan involved in Epstein as well, or? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you mean from the recording uh, front, right? <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah, I'm I'm going to get him in trouble here. Yeah. No, no. 
Well, I appreciate everything you've done, and uh, the work in the book is excellent. And when people can get a chance to buy it again, it will be up. And it's on our website as well, so people listening can do one click and get the book. And uh, again, uh, thank you very much. Uh, interesting subject. I, I, I think there's so many angles and questions that um, this covers and just kind of explains a lot of what goes on in, in uh, society that uh, everyone should read it. Thank you. Thank you. And yes, we're... There still are questions that remain, and we're thinking about the sequel already. <laughs> but in the meantime, I just want to thank you for your interest in giving me the platform to talk about it, because like I said, uh, all we can really do to prevent this is to keep talking about it. Thanks so Fantastic. much. Fantastic. Thank Thanks you. for being here. To find out more about our show, guests, or to listen to past shows from our archive, please go to www.houseofmysteryradio.com. The mission has been completed. The end! By George, he's got it! It is the end! I'll see you! If you're lying to me, I'll be back. This is Peter Production of Something Weird Media. You've been listening to the House of Mystery radio show. To find out more about our guests, hosts, or shows, go to www.houseofmystery.com. Show is over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Yeah. Good night. This has been a production of Something Weird Media. I'll be back.